The Beef and Dairy Network is sponsored by LactoBulk, the new milk bulking agent from Mitchell's. If it's not Mitchell's, get back in the truck. Watch in awe as 100 gallons of milk effortlessly turns to 1,000 when you add LactoBulk, which maximizes the potential of your milk by utilizing the unique qualities of our compound, which is 100% naturally derived from building demolition. For 10% off your first shipment of LactoBulk, simply use the code THERESHEBLOWS! Hello and welcome to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, the number one podcast for those involved or just interested in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is the podcast companion to the Beef and Dairy Network website and printed magazine brought to you by Lactobulk. Now, I don't know about you, but in my quiet moments, I often find myself slipping into a sort of reverie, remembering the old days when I was a child waking up at half past four in the morning and waiting by the door for the milkman to come, and then once he had been, tearing the foil tops off the bottles and drinking the contents, all of it, before my family had even woken up. And then when they came downstairs, my father, my mother and my sister Bernice, I would say, oh no, the crows have pecked open the bottles again. Then, wild-eyed and sweating, my father would reply, they drank three pints of milk, did they? A couple of crows? Do you think I was born yesterday? And then he would smash one of the bottles and brandish it at me, blind with rage. Then mother would come and medicate him with the blow dart, and we'd all sit down to watch breakfast news together on the television. I remember, when the news was on, Bernice would always say, What's Gaddafi been up to then? What's the colonel doing today? I'm sure most of you will have similarly fond memories of the milkman coming to your door. Maybe you're old enough to remember them coming around with their horse, or of course during World War II, in a spitfire. Sadly, from the mid-1980s onwards, the number of people who got their milk delivered went into steep decline, and now typically people buy their milk from supermarkets or steal it on the internet. However, this month the Milk Council of Great Britain published a report that says that for the past three years there has been a small increase year on year of the number of people getting milk delivered to their doorstep. To try and get an insight into this new trend, I spoke to Len Byro, somebody who became a milkman in his hometown of Tynmouth only last year, at the age of 91. Hello, my name is Len Byro and I am a milk delivery man. Well, thank you, Len. Len, 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 Len Byro. Leonard, christened Len, christened Leonard, but uh, my friends, my friends call me Len and I'd love you to call me Len too. Hello, Len. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I know you're a busy guy. So thank you for making the time to speak to us. It's a pleasure. I, I, uh, um, th- well, I'd I, like to say thanks. Firstly, I, you know, it's not every day you get to speak to somebody, especially with my, my lifestyle. I obviously wake up very early in the morning, half past three in the morning to start my round. I'm normally back home by quarter past nine. I'm in bed for the rest of the day. So I, I rarely speak to anyone apart from the occasional cat. And since I lost my wife, of course, it's great to have some company in the evenings. Um, I'm very sorry to hear that, Len, about your wife. I mean, when I say lost, she, she vanished. Um, it's, it's not that she's died. Let me get this straight. She's very much into cosplay. And she's a very big fan of the Star Wars trilogy, the original um, three films. 
And last year, May the 4th, she decided to attend what's known as a comic convention, Comic Con. Yeah, I'm aware of these, yeah. A very big thing. She went to Jabba the Hutt, which is someone she's obsessed with the character of, of Jabba and the Jabba the Hutt. And um, uh, she loves the rogues, the villains of Star Wars. And she went to this comic convention dressed as Jabba the Hutt and hasn't been back since. She does send the occasional text message, so I know she's fine, but it's just she she's having a lot of problems finding her way back from the Isle of Wight. So, um, Ina, if you are out there, um, you know, send me another text message. I don't read them much. They're not, they, I'm not very good with technology, but since I lost her, it, it's, it's very lonely at night. I'm sure she'll come slithering back to me in the guise of Jabba very soon. So very nice to talk to her anyway. Before we get on to the specifics of um, delivering milk... I'm just going to ask, you know, you're 92 years old now. I'm sure many listeners will be thinking, why doesn't Len retire? Why has he started this whole new career at such an advanced age? It's a great question. I think it's very important to maintain your youth. I think, you know, a lot of people my age are either dead or rotting away in homes. And I've never been that way inclined. I, ever since I was a very young boy, I've always been very active. Very active mind, very active body very active hair growth, very active saliva glands, a very active person in, 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 in general. And I, well, ever since the age of nine, I've always been on the go, you see. I started very young uh, performing motorbike stunts uh, for a circus. Uh, my family disowned me as a nine-year-old and left me on the street, and I became a motorbike um, stunt expert in a, in a, in a zoo, um, a circus. And I haven't stopped since. And I, I just thought to myself, you know, what's the point of, of retiring? Uh, I mean, what could I do? Sit at home watching videos of, of um, Golden Girls, you know, um, pleasuring myself. So I thought, why not get out there and do something new? And, and after, you know, leaving school at 14, 1931 I was born. So 1945 I would have left school. Right. But, but you were working as a motorcycle stunt driver from mo- nine. I was from the so, age of nine, yeah. So you were doing that alongside your studies? Alongside my studies. Most of my schooling was spent on a, on, on a motorbike. But then, of course, school finished and I still had my motorbike, which by this time was severely worn out after three accidents and a fire. But I, I decided to get myself more of a, a normal job. I thought I need to settle down now, 14 years old. I've, I've seen the wild side of stunt life. I've had my education. So I decided to become a, well, an undertaker's assistant. And it was a job I was very good at. Um, nice. They loved me and I loved them. They took me on as the, um, the, 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 the junior body cleanser was the, the term they used in those days. And then I was fourteen years old, unaware of really how death works. Or so you were, you you weren't. Um, I, I was wondering whether you'd been acquainted with death during the circus. I know it's you know obviously it's quite life is quite expendable in the circus, certainly in the nineteen thirties and forties, as far as I'm aware. Brutal, absolutely brutal, and it's a great mm. question. You know, I saw grown men having to shoot elephants in the head. Um, you know, I for the entertainment of of the audience, or is partially for the entertainment of the audience, partially for their own entertainment out of boredom when we were on the road, and partially just because we needed to eat at times. It was a very brutal lifestyle, and and on top of that, trapeze artists falling to their deaths. Um, you know, I mean, we did our best. We did have safety nets, but Ian Bambury, who was in charge of health and safety, forgot to take into account that safety nets should not be made out of razor wire. And, of course, you would see these fantastic trapeze artists, Hungarians, Italians, Spanish, French, coming from all over the world to, to join the circus. But, of course, one fall and 
diced to bits beneath on the on the floor, and you would you would pick the parts up, feed them to lions, and crack on with it. I was used to death. It was very brutal, mm. but seeing it close up like that, actually seeing someone laid out on the gurney, is very different to seeing you know the severed arm of the great Maldini, or perhaps you know the the butchered limb of an elephant. Very different indeed, and and it brings a sort of peace. To, to, I mean, it comes to us all. I'm quite sure I'll pass possibly shortly after recording this. I'm not 100%. But I think it, it does come to us all, and it, it, it enlightened me in many ways. And, and my job was very respectfully to clean the bodies, to remove the bowels, sell the bowels to the local butcher of his dog, wrap the body up in, in cloth, pop it into the, into the coffin. And, of course, you know, as time went by, I became very, very good at this. But sadly, the... Um, the Undertakers was bought out by a, a Chinese company, uh, Gulon Industries, who, if you don't know much about the, the world of undertakery, as we call it, um, they'd revolutionized the process. They sped everything up, but it was brutal. Um, they had a machine. You simply plugged it into the anus of the deceased, sucked everything out, and then just painted them with some varnish. And I, there was the art was gone. The art was completely gone by that point. And I really thought, you know... It's time to move, move on. So at 91 and a half, I, I, I hung up my rubber gloves. I put my intestine removal unit away and I stepped away. And, and here I am now, delivering milk, one of the most energetic, powerful drinks to the nation. Well, to two people within a, a, a five street radius of my own home. And what do you think that your customers like about having their milk delivered to the door? Is it that kind of old fashioned getting back to a tradition thing? you know, getting up in the morning, going down to the doorstep. Do you think they like the whole ritual of it? What is it they like? I think there's a certain charm to having mm. your milk delivered to your front door. I mean, these days with your Amazons, your Jeff Bezos, these things come straight to your front door. It's not new, you know, and I'm just giving it the old-fashioned touch. For example, if you ordered a pint of milk now um, online, you'd have to fill out your credit card details, you'd have to create um, a profile... It would take about 45 minutes, and then the milk has to be extracted and sent to you. With mine, I'll book you in for Monday at 7am, and I'll be there. You might be in bed, but I'll be there outside, peeping through the letterbox to see if I can catch a glimpse of your wife. Not in a perverted way, just to make sure she's healthy and that she's been drinking enough milk. And then I'll pop the milk on the side, and you've got it there. So it, it brings a certain character and a certain charm. It's nice to hear you talk about the traditions with such fondness. There's obviously pride there. Uh, milkmen are the backbone of the United Kingdom. You know, during the war, milkmen are the people who kept this country going, delivering not only milk, but heroin, cannabis, everything that kept the country going, kept them strong. And it's something I will contemplate if I can make my connections with the county lines gangs, which are um, gangs of youth which are selling cocaine in the town at the moment. And if I can, if I can, if I can manage something with them, we, we can have a great relationship going on then with a family-friendly door-to-door business sending milk of any nature with drugs as well have you spoken to the local um i guess what would they be called road men unbelievably there's a massive amount of road men on the streets between 3 a.m and 6 in the morning which is when i'm at my busiest and it's quite often you'll meet these young boys on the streets you know and uh, at first it was, it was a bit of a standoff um you know uh, they were asking what I was doing why was i treading on their turf you know did i want to be shanked i told them no in, in, in no plain terms, I didn't want to be shanked, but I did want to make a good relationship with the, the local roadmen. And they took me under their arm. 
So I'm very excited about that. But the road, the roadman, nowhere near as dangerous as you think. I think you look at gangster rappers in America. I mean, they've got these AK-47s. You know, they've got these um, these sort of you know some grenade launchers, armored vehicles. But in this country, of course, the roadman all he has is a sharpened pencil and a and a, and a must-do attitude. And I think there's something to um, there's something really to, to really sort of take a shine to regarding them. You think we should sort of stand up for the. The, the humble British drug dealer. Well, naturally. I mean, he's doing it off his own back. And it's very much like what I'm doing. You know, very, very similar to what I'm doing. We should stand up for the humble British drug It's not Tony Montana in Scarface. You know, it's not going to be somebody bursting into it. Like, Say hello to my little friend with... None of that. Because really, you're, you're both in, in, the, in the product delivery business. We both have, you know, something that's very, very, um, very much in demand especially in my local area, you know. I mean, where I've lived, I've lived here for 78 years and I know my client base and I know what they want, you know. 9am in the morning, glass of milk, half 11, line of cocaine. You know, they go hand in hand very, 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 very well. And I'm more than happy to supply them with the milk. And as I've said, if I can get the class A's, if we can get something going like that, we can really get them, get them in young get them on it and, and really build an empire from here, you know. And, and you, you never know, by the time I'm 103, I may well be driving a Mercedes or a Bentley uh, to deliver my milk. But at the moment, I am just using um, my wife's car because obviously she's away because she's, she's yeah, dressed as Jabba the Hutt at, a, uh, well, over 11 months after attending a Star Wars comic book convention. She will be back, but I'm using her, her car in, in, until then. Well, we're talking about transportation as you say you're using her car but yeah. i i believe i'm right in saying that in order to capture that traditional milkman uh, vibe you've actually connected your car to one of the horses you used to use at the at the undertakers and the horse drags the car around but i've i've managed to um obtain um a horse um as we spoke about previously i i've worked for many years in the the um the undertaker's industry uh, and when I left as many people when they leave the workplace I, I thought you know damn these people if these giant industries are going to take over and and completely rinse me of my art so I stole my own horse uh, when we left they still haven't noticed which is wonderful but I, I have my own horse now which I keep in the living room using it you know to tow my wife's car whilst I deliver the milk and of course the great thing about owning a horse and being a milkman is you can milk a horse you can extract milk from a horse and you can also sell that on the side. Slightly more expensive, harder to obtain, especially with a male horse, but it is a wonderful, wonderful drink that's available for anybody at a very good price. Is a horse easily able to tow a Nissan Micra? It's a great question. I mean, the horse itself is 63, um, you mm. know. Uh, Robert is his name. He is weak, yeah, I will, I, you know, but he's willing. And that's what, that's what, really what counts. I mean, in 1997, his back legs did give way. So he spent a lot of his time in the, in the sort of the yard of the, um, the undertakers. But we kept him there for special occasions. And we found a rather unique way to, to rig him up to the, the horse and cart was simply to have the back legs removed. And then what we've done, you see, is we've just placed the back end of the horse onto the bonnet of the Nissan Micra. And then we just simply tie it onto the back. So if you can imagine, I pop the car into first gear, it just edges forward, just bring the clutch up ever so slightly and the car will naturally start to move forward and then the horse will just 
with its own front legs, sort of drag them along, but attempt to, to pull itself along. Very realistic. It looks almost completely healthy when it when people do see it. I mean, children sometimes cry, but I think it's just because they're not used to nature when they see it going past. Well, you've created a kind of reverse Nissan Microcentaur. Yeah, I mean, in, in some ways, a reverse Nissan Microcentaur is, is a great way of describing it. And again, another marketing opportunity there, you know. Who who else has, has thought of creating a, a reverse Nissan Microcentaur apart from me? Nobody. Obviously, a, a horse of that age, with its legs removed, kind of tied onto a car, some people might be thinking, is the horse in any sort of distress or... Um is that a good way to treat a horse? Understandable. I mean, any animal having its back legs removed and then tied onto the front of a car, Nissan Micra, a Bentley, um, you know, a Volvo, any sort of car would, as you could imagine, be very, very painful. But you must remember that I have a very, very deep relationship with the local roadmen, the, the local drug dealers. So ketamine is not hard to get hold of. You know, I've got literally wheelbarrows of the stuff out the back and every morning before I go out on the round, I'll just... I mean, the, the horse can barely move its head now, so I'll simply take a, a piece of drain pipe, stuff it full of the ketamine, pop it into the, the nasal passage of the horse, <laughs> blow it in, and it's right as rain. It doesn't feel a thing. doesn't feel a thing. I'm quite sure it's enjoying it. And I'm happy to keep doing that until it's literally dragged its front legs to bloody stumps on the front of the road. And then I'm sure we can put two skateboards on the front of it and we've got something new again. So, you know, adapt and mutate, as they say. More after this. If you were to start a new business, what would it be? Maybe a business that sells neoprene hoof socks so that cattle can go in a bouncy castle. Or a business that creates a sort of miniature version of the CD, a sort of mini-disc. Whether you're starting a new business or growing one, if you want it to be successful, you need the most talented people on your team. That's where ZipRecruiter comes in. ZipRecruiter's matching technology can find you qualified candidates for all sorts of jobs, and then you are able to invite the people you want to apply for those jobs. Let ZipRecruiter fill all your roles with the right candidates. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash beef to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-E-F. Before we get back to our interview with Len, we can read some of our correspondence on the topic of milk delivery. Valerie in Beckenham writes... My father was a milkman and a Mr Bean impersonator. People used to love having their milk delivered by Bean. Unfortunately, in 1994, he was murdered by a hitman that someone had hired out to kill Rowan Atkinson. He was the fourth such impersonator to die in similar circumstances, and at present, almost a hundred people have met this fate. Thanks, Valerie. Bernard in Todd Morton writes... Last year I came back from work one morning because I'd forgotten my packed lunch and found my wife sweatily grappling with our milkman on the living room floor. She explained that she was she explained that he was also her personal trainer and that he was a pioneer in the art of naked combat pilates. He does this at no extra cost and my wife has never been so supple, so I'd just like to say a big thanks to Stuart. Well, that sounds brilliant, Bernard, thank you. And finally, Brenda in Leeds writes, I've had a milk tap installed in my kitchen and the construction was a much bigger project than I had originally imagined. Installing pipes between my home and the local dairy, which is 20 miles away, involves purchasing several homes and commercial properties in order to demolish them to make room for the pipeline and also rerouting a river. 
The overall cost ballooned to over £10 billion, which I now owe to a Chinese construction company with no realistic prospect of paying it back since I work part-time in a library. Unless I pay, the company are threatening to reroute the pipeline so that instead of connecting to the local dairy, it will connect to the local stables and my taps will provide hot and cold running horse shit. But I would still say it's been worth it. Food for thought. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. Back to my interview with Milkman Len Byro. Well, we've we've got many millions of listeners, um, uh, Mr. Byro, and th- many people will be thinking, "Oh, I wish I I could have my milk delivered by by Len." And obviously, you only deliver in your hometown, yeah. of of Tynmouth. Yeah, that's right. Um, what would you say to people outside of your area who want that kind of handmade milk experience what what do you think they could do it's a great question and i will admit partially the reason i am here today is because after explaining what i do and and demonstrating how very good this business is i feel investment would be the key and i i if i could speak to an elon musk or a jeff bezos or one of these big players in the game you know if i could just get you know 30 or 35 million pounds not a massive amount compared to what these people make in a day if i could get 30 to 35 no 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 30 to 35 billion i'm not greedy but i do need i do need the money if i could get your jeff bezos's or or your elon musk's or or your um who was the the fellow who died from um apple the fellow who died and he ran apple computers steve jobs if mm. someone could access his money, I'm sure he's got relatives who are willing to, to splash it about a bit. I mean, even someone like John Travolta, incredibly rich man with probably a lot of spare time on his hands. You know, if these people are willing to invest some money, we could start, whether it's Salt Lake City or Sunderland. You know, if you've got the money, I could really kick this off. Isn't there Isn't there a bit of um, a problem here, which is that, you know, you've spent a lot of time in this interview decrying the actions of these big companies you've yeah. mentioned amazon a few times you obviously mentioned gulon industries who a massive you, company who, who destroyed yeah the undertakers yeah. yeah yeah but now suddenly you're you're turning around and you're with your begging bowl asking for money from these people you're not wrong i mean what i'm saying is, is to be honest with you if you've got the money i'll take it off of you and i will sell my soul at the flick of a switch if you if you name the price i'll do anything you know for example if you've got uh, 3.5 million pounds spare now if you want me to go on the internet and pull myself apart in front of a camera i'll do it you know i i will do anything for money what, what I'm, I'm interested in this you know you're a 92 year old man so without being too indelicate you don't need to build up money for your f- long future my future is very short i don't right. have very much yeah. to look forward to at all yeah so w- what about this money lust doesn't make that much sense to me because w- when are you going to spend it it is a great question. And I think, you know, that's something I haven't taken t- into account. But I think really if I had that money, you know, if I had access to that money, I could do all the things I really dreamt of, you know. And for me, the real reason I do this is because I've always wanted to cut a man in half and see how long I can keep him alive for. I, I you know, if don't get me wrong. You know, I've loved my life. I've loved being a stunt motorcycle rider. I've loved going to school on that bike. I've thoroughly enjoyed working in a funeral home and delivering milk you know that brought a lot of joy to me but deep down 
deep down, the one thing I'd love to do is to be able to cut a man in half and see how long I could keep him alive for. I really believe that with 33.5 billion, I could keep a man alive for 10 to 12 years. Right. And in that scenario, are you keeping both halves alive? Both both halves. I mean, I, you know, I, I, ideally, I think you, the research I've done, I really think that with the knowledge I've gleaned over the years, I could cut a man in half. I, 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 I believe I could keep the top half alive for about 10 to 12 years. I think the bottom half about six. But with the right research, we could keep that alive for another six on top of that. And imagine what you could do with half a body, you know. You could pay it to tap dance for you, whilst the other half could prepare sandwiches in your kitchen. There are so many things you could do if you could cut a man in half. You've obviously thought about this, but just off the top of my head, you could sew the top half man to the remaining front of the horse yeah. that you've got there. And you've got like a sort of two-ended um, kind of... Horseman. Horseman, yeah. I mean, the, the, one, the one thing that I really dream of is to be able to cut a man in half and to keep him alive for a prolonged period, both halves, to keep them alive for a prolonged period of time. But my dream is to have both halves of the body alive, you know, the bottom half sitting in the armchair in the living room, the top half on the kitchen table preparing some sandwiches. And as I breathe my, my final moments, as I give that final death rattle, you know, they both suddenly realise that when I go, who's going to keep them alive? And they realise that I'm like a father to them. I'm like a god. You know, a very, very powerful being that's given them the gift of not only taking their life away by cutting them in half in the first place, but bringing them back to life by cutting them in half and then elongating their lives. And as I drift off slowly, I like to think that they would panic. And in, and in, that, in that final moment, they would team up the top half of the body would hold its arms out, prop itself on top of the bottom half. They would unite. They would drag my body out as the air is seeping out of me. As I'm slowly ebbing away to the afterlife, they would grab a saw, cut me in half and regenerate me, keeping my legs alive for another 30 or 40 years and the top half of my body alive for another 30 or 40 years. It would become the cycle of life. They would then maintain me and then I could maintain them and this would last for an eternity and I would be like a god amongst men, all off of the back of selling a milk company to Jeff Bezos, Elton John, um, John Travolta, um, the one from Apple who's dead or any of them, Benny, Bjorn, Frida and Agnetha from ABBA, they all have money and if they can give me that money I can finally see my dream come true which is to cut a man in half to keep the lower half alive, to keep the upper half alive for a prolonged period of time, have them become like a son to me, and then for them to watch me slowly pass, for them to panic and realise that if I die, they don't stay alive, so for them to assemble their bodies back together, to take me outside, to cut me in half with a garden saw, to reinvigorate me with life, to bring me back. You know, if anybody who has a lot of money is willing to do that, Justin Bieber, he must have some money. Any of them, I will, I will kindly take the money. Well, thank you, Len. Good luck with all of that. I hope your dreams come true and I um, hope your wife comes back. Well, I do too. I, 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 hopefully if she does send me a text, we can find out. It must be bloody difficult trying to get around the Isle of Wight dressed as Jabba the Hutt, trying to get back to Timoth like that. It must be a bloody nightmare, but I'm sure she'll make it home in the end. Until then, I must pop to bed. I must really get to bed because I have to wake up at three o'clock to deliver some, um, some, some milk. A huge thanks to Len Biro for that interview. 
If you would like to invest billions in his business and make his dreams come true, simply get in touch with us here at the network and we will funnel the money in Len's direction. We definitely won't use it to buy grain to fulfil our growing grain debts to the actor Ted Danson. So that's all we've got time for this month. But for more beef and dairy news, get over to the website now, where you'll find all the usual stuff, as well as our off-topic section, which this month features an extraordinary piece about how to fully waterproof your pets. So, until next time, beef out. Thanks to John Rutledge. And John has his own podcast, which we chatted about very briefly. I've thoroughly enjoyed today. And if the listeners have enjoyed that, there's a high probability they will have a terrible time listening to the <laughs> the Demon Seed podcast, which is uh, a podcast created between myself and good friend and, and uh, um, uh, what's the word? when Beef and dairy alumnus. A be- great terminology. Beef, beef and dairy alumnus, Mike Bubbins as well. We create the, um, the Demon Seed podcast. It's... It's, it's pretty hard to describe to people. Yeah, I would say. Imagine the four, four four topics repeated over and over again, interspersed with just fart noises, really, <laughs> and and that's all you really get out of it. And it's I'm ashamed, and it's wrong, and we keep coming back to it. So I'm really sorry about that. But if you want to have a terrible time, or if you want to ruin someone else's life, please listen to the the Demon Seed podcast. Hey, when you listen to podcasts, it really just comes down to whether or not you like the sound of everyone's voices. My voice is one of the sounds you'll hear on the podcast Dr. Game Show. And this is the voice of co-host and fearless leader Joe Firestone. This is a podcast where we play games submitted by listeners and we play them with callers over Zoom we've never spoken to in our lives. So that is basically the concept of the show. Pretty chill. So take it or leave it, bucko. And here's what some of the listeners have to say. It's funny, wholesome, and it never fails to make me smile. I just started listening and I'm already binging it. I haven't laughed this hard in ages. I wish I discovered it sooner. You can find Dr. Game Show on MaximumFun.org. The following pro wrestling contest is scheduled for one fall. Making their way to the ring from the Tights and Fights podcast are the baddest trio of audio, the hair to beware, Danielle Radford. It really is great hair. The Brit with a permit to hit, Lindsay Cow. The queen is dead. Long live the queen. And the fast-talking, fist-clocking Hal Uplin. See, I can wrestle and be an announcer. Get ready for tights and fights. Listen every Saturday or face the pain. Find us on Maximum Fun. Now ring the bell. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.